it's Ramey and Donnie from Pastoral Formation, Diocese of Parramatta. We're bringing to you another episode of the Soul Food Podcast, sharing life-giving conversations and stories that nourish the soul. You know those meals that you never want to end because it was such a good feed? That's the feeling people's stories give us, and that's the sort of response we want you to experience after you listen to this episode. For this week's episode, we'll be doing another special. Our focus will be on the Plenary Council in Australia. The last Plenary Council in Australia was held in 1937. So you could say that this is most likely a once in a lifetime experience for the church in Australia. At the time of this recording, the Plenary Council's second assembly is underway, a process that takes place from the 3rd to the 9th of July. We'll put a video overview of that process in the show's notes. As part of this podcast, we actually uh, will be sharing a bit of the conversations we've had with several of the members uh, that are representing the Diocese of Parramatta. A couple of the members that we spoke to first were uh, Father Wim Hochstra. And Father Wim is uh, one of the priests in the Diocese of Parramatta, and he's also the Episcopal Vicar for Clergy in the Diocese. We also spoke to Father Peter Williams, who's the Vicar General in the Diocese and the moderator of the Curia. So one of the first things that we asked both Father Peter and Father Wim uh, regarding the plenary was how they would describe this plenary process, the plenary council, to someone who has never heard about this process before. Here's what they had to say. I describe the plenary council as an opportunity for the Australian church to come together and to discern its directions for the future. Um, It has uh, an opportunity to listen to the voice of the spirit, but especially also for us to get together and just to talk and share a little bit about what it is, where we want to go in sharing the mission of Jesus with the people in Australia, not only in our Catholic Church, but throughout the nation as a whole. Yeah, The Plenary Council, in a sense, is a bit like um, a church's parliament. That is, that representatives that represent the face of the church, both ordained and lay and members of consecrated life, um, come together to discuss matters that are of importance to the life and mission of the church. I guess because we don't have them very often, you know, the last one was um, uh, decades and decades ago, um, people are simply just not familiar. Um, So it is a bit like a parliament. Hmm. It's a bit like a parliament. I think what I find uplifting from both Father Wim and Father Peter's responses is their commentary about how the church is coming together in Australia to discern the shape of God's mission and how that's expressed uh, in the here and now. Um, So I'm really taking that away as a learning that we can uh, find creative ways to express that, particularly in the Diocese of Parramatta and also through our specific work in pastoral formation. So we asked Father Peter Williams, what was the difference between the first assembly and the second assembly that's happening this week, whether that's um, personally or in the whole process? What's different between the first and second assembly? Here's what he had to say. Well, this one will be different to the first session because as some people might know, some of the viewers might know that our first session was held remotely. So therefore people were scattered all around Australia and of course we went into virtual rooms and and I had grave reservations that 
it wouldn't work and uh, it shows that the Holy Spirit um, can work even through modern technology because it worked very effectively and much better than any of us thought. Now on this occasion, next month in July, we'll actually all be meeting in person here in Sydney. We're all staying together in a number of hotels in the inner city and uh, we'll be meeting daily in St Mary's uh, uh, Cathedral College Hall and that is where the actual in-person in sessions will be held. And so therefore the experience this time will be very different because we will all be together uh, and the dynamic will be different from a virtual gathering. Look, I think my first hope is that people realise that the church is, um, is uh, very pluriform. And what I mean by that is that there are different voices. You know, the church, when we say the church is Catholic, in, in its broadest sense, that means that it's universal. And so there needs to be a plurality of expression and we need to be able to live together with that plurality. Now, often, you know, uh, human beings, what they are, have fixed agendas as to where they think the church should be. And then you've got another group that say, no, 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 I think it should be here. And as we have seen politically, particularly in the United States of America, but also sometimes here in Australia and in other places of the world, is that the so-called body politic can become uh, quite... Uh, you know, can become uh, uh, very polarised. And the last thing that we want of the church is that the church is polarised uh, because that is contrary, you know, to the mind of Christ who expressed in the great high priestly prayer in John's Gospel that Jesus prays that they may be one as you and I, Father, are one, Jesus says in John 17. So, um we need to understand that living with a plurality of voices is not necessarily a bad thing. And maybe maybe from that, maybe from the tension of that, we learn to gain insights and that we grow stronger together as a unified body. Now, that it's a very complex thing that I'm talking about, but I mean, that is my principal hope. I don't have a second hope. Um, that's my only hope, is that we can learn to listen to one another and to reach some point of agreement as to what the priorities are as the church continues its mission in the world. On a practical note, Father Wim sheds light on one of the key processes in the Second Assembly. So it's basically we're voting on the motions, which will determine then where the church will be in Australia in you know, once the once the decrees or the acts of the council have been approved by the Pope. Look, I, I hope that certainly for our um, for the church in the future, we have some guidance as to where we go. As I said, to continue the mission of Jesus Christ under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, and it gives us hopefully some direction about where to go. I know the motions seem to be rather general, but ultimately when they're voted upon, there will also be an opportunity for each individual diocese and each individual parish to determine how they will implement those motions and those decrees. So hopefully it will move the church ahead and um, promote the message of Jesus Christ, that God is love and to love one another. 
We also spoke to the other members of the Plenary Council representing the Diocese of Parramatta. There were Father Fernando Montano, the Episcopal Vicar for Social Welfare, Carol Tadori Blahut from Our Lady of the Nativity Parish in Lawson, and also Father Paul Marshall, the Rector of the Holy Spirit Seminary. In speaking to these members, we wanted to find out a bit more of their own hopes when it came to the Plenary Council and this Second Assembly in particular. Well, I, th- I think the hope is um, that the plenary will get us talking about the plenary. It will get us talking about the church. Either people agree or disagree with what comes after the second plenary session. It will be a good to say, well, you know, talk about it. Is that the church we would like? Yes or no and why? I think that the hope is, you know, I encourage a lot of the process is important. And this process is giving us a chance to have a conversation and which way we, we want to assume the hopes, agrees or disagreements, and then what we'll do about them. And I think that's, that's the hope, that we, we talk about what kind of church we want to build for the future. One big hope I have is that we can um, really appreciate the cultural differences. We have probably one of the biggest cultural uh, experiences in this diocese. We have to change words when we talk about faith. We have to. We can't put click phrases out. So my, my my natural instinct is to find other ways to say, "How do you be a missionary?" I and I say, "You are the presence of God. You are the presence of love, in your time and place. Wherever you go, you're the only one who's is in that same circumstance. It's only you. All you can be is your loving presence to wherever you are." in the grocery line, in a traffic jam, (laughs) you know? All of it, I think, just requires simply saying, love, what is love asking of me? Here, now, simple. Both Father Fernando and Carol talk about the spirit of the process in the plenary, and how Carol in particular hopes that this process can continue even beyond the plenary when it comes to discussions on a local level and what it means to be church. I think it's really interesting what Carol is saying about the continuation of the process at a local level, because even for me, this whole plenary council and the spirit of it has taught me how to listen. I think some people in our experiences can say things that can really challenge us, can really... um, can be something that we disagree with or that we really agree with but the process of I, I just need to listen and hear where they're coming from and then and then respond but even taking that to prayer that whole process is something that the plenary council taught me no I think you make a great point there Ramy, and um, it's just a reminder for me as well in our work of pastoral formation how is listening at the core of any formative experience that we offer in the diocese in speaking with Father Paul Marshall, he offers the unique perspective of someone who's coming into the process of the plenary, having been appointed as a rector of the seminary in the diocese midway through the plenary council. His reflections on the plenary are connected with his role of accompanying the formation of future ordained priests in the diocese. My hopes would be for uh, certainly that whole thing of synodality in the church and um, evangelization. So for me, that's really important that these get a really good and fair hearing. It's really necessary. We need to be talking and we've got lots of gifts in the church that are underutilized. I think there's a lot that needs to be drawn out 
I think there's a lot of tension in the church between the charismatic and institutional elements. Um, and I think it's always been the case from since Jesus was around. Uh, but I think we need to do a lot more dialoguing and talking about the differences and uh, rather than confronting each other and being kind of inclusive and exclusive. Um, I think that's been a real negative in the church in recent times that we've um, seen, seen things as uh, either or rather than sitting down and really dialoguing and talking. So that to me is really important. We need to really engage that a lot more. And the word for it is synodality because we, we don't want to be uh, um, us and them. We want to be together working, you know, for the gospel of Jesus. And to me, the synodality and uh, sorry, the assembly is a, the means to do that. Let's jump back now to Father Peter and Father Wim, both of which have been involved in the plenary process since the beginning in the diocese. And we thought to ask them what are some of the challenges that they've personally experienced in that process so far. I found the challenge uh, of the first assembly was the fact that that we we didn't have the time outside of formal sessions to be able to interact with people. So for me, the challenge was it was, was because it was virtual. And while it was wonderful that all the member representatives for the Diocese of Parramatta were in the Bethany Centre, and so we began every day with Mass, and it meant that we had time together at meals and at the morning and afternoon tea breaks, we'd all come out of our our sort of uh, little secluded offices from in front of our screens and we'd all meet together. And it was good for the Parramatta representatives, but of course, how much better it would have been if we could have rubbed shoulders with the people who had been in our particular virtual rooms for the breakout discussions on particular topics that were allocated to us. How much better the dynamic would have been if, for instance, some of the people who were in my group Two of them uh, were from South Australia. I had another one from Broome. Um, I had somebody else from Wilkenia Forbes. And I'm thinking to myself, how much better it would have been if I could have actually eyeballed those people and we could have at those breaks been in conversation, not necessarily about the matters that we were dealing with within our groups, but just to get to know people. Uh, and that's my, that was my frustration with session one mm. in a nutshell. I think one of the things sort of that, I, that came out of the first plenary was a realisation that our church is much bigger than just the Latin church, the Roman church, the church we know, okay, the Diocese of Parramatta. There's a whole, you've got the Maronites, you've got the Melkites, you've got the uh, Chaldeans, you've got the Syro-Malabar, right? They've all got churches in their own rights with their own bishops and they're all very much part of the Western Sydney scene, and yet we don't seem to know very much about them. And I think if there's one thing I've learned from the first session of the plenary assembly, it's to be more aware of the wider church than the Roman Catholic church. With what Father Peter mentioned, I can't even imagine how difficult it would have been to connect online, you know, with so many distractions mm. when you're on your computer screen and whatnot. And I really like how Father Wim mentioned you know, bigger than the Roman Catholic Church, you know, the other churches within Australia that contribute to the spirituality of our of our country. And so we throw out the question to, to all the members, really, how they think the plenary has positively influenced 
the spirituality of the Australian church, whether that's within the plenary council process, which has taken months and years, but also beyond that, what do they have to say about that? I think it's made people aware um, of uh, the need to uh, pray and listen. Yeah. Well, I will say the being introduced into the process, as, as I said before, the process is important. So I think being introduced into this process of consultation at different levels and different areas, uh, being open to just to say, see what the spirit is telling us and, and the process is important. I think that's one of the things. And the other thing for me that is important, and I like it a lot, is to highlight two things in the process. One, being Christocentric, you know, how can we make Christ the center of our lives? And that's comes all through the emotions as well, the framework. And the other one is being sent as disciples, the missionary church. Hopefully these two will help us to change again things and rearrange our ministries in the future. Christ-centered and being sent as disciples. Well, um, when we started all this, I didn't know how to really listen deeply Discernment, the discernment process has been really a significant impact on me in, in every aspect. I recognize now when I can, I can listen, step back and listen. I can be an observer. I don't have to be in there all the time. <laughs> to put these two things together, a plenary and COVID, has been, I mean, talk about dramatic change. I mean, it is forced upon us. It, it's just daily and literal. And how do we manage to still be caring for each other? We have a tiny little parish. And what I've noticed is people are starting to say, oh, we've got to start taking care of this one and that one. Did you know that so-and-so has this? You know, so I think people are starting to not just be in church, but, but remembering the individuals and attending to them. meeting people for coffee or having dinner with. I would hope that the Uluru Statement from the Heart gets approved, that there is a voice for the Aboriginal people here. It seems like it's happening. It seems like something wonderful is happening. Oh, look, um, there's, there's numerous issues and things that need to... Uh, look, they have been discussed a lot across Australia, but I just hope the energy is sustained and that it's not sapped out of the system um, by blockages um, to the spirit. Um, you know, issues of women in the church and leadership in the church are really significant issues that still need, they're on the table. Um, yeah, whether whether we'll see it in my, my time um, changes, but you know, we've been saying that for 50 years since Vatican II, and, you know, we'd like Vatican II to continue um, into the future, at least be realised and then grown and built upon as well. So they're all the things we, we're facing into. Yeah. yeah. In listening to the members, we can definitely hear that the plenary in and of itself has had an impact on the Australian church and the Australian spirituality of, of the people of God. But we're also interested in how people who aren't participating physically at the plenary and in the second assembly, how they could be in solidarity with what the plenary is trying to achieve. And so the members shared about 
uh, how they see people can practically be involved and be in solidarity with the plenary process even beyond the plenary council. The one practical thing that they can do is every day uh, of the plenary of the second session is that they can devote some time in prayer asking that the Holy Spirit will lead and direct those who are responsible for the deliberations of the council. Mm. Hopefully people will pray for us, for the delegates, will pray for the whole process. It will pray for their own being, our, being open to what the plenary will, will give us. The other thing is once the process is finished and the documents not coming out, hopefully getting involved in, in reading what's going on and try to see the positives as well and, and given the document, what can we do with the document and how can make the document alive at the concrete level of parishes and parish groups, you know, and, and I think the document will be hopefully so broad that everyone can feel they can bring something down to their own parish group or parish level or diocese or so that that's the hope and I think people can get involved in that way. Hopefully it won't be oh well we did it, it's done, thank you, and just stack the document, whatever. So hopefully it will get us continuing this process of consultation and participation and at, at different levels. So whatever you do, bring it to the table. I have that's the ministry I have, is the table ministry. And I'm looking at my own table. But um, amazing things happen when people sit around and have a, a meal together and have significant conversation, you know, asking, you know, questions that may seem a little threatening, but opening people up to the possibilities of, of real care. The, the main connection has been a, a more spiritual one in terms of praying. Um, praying the plenary prayer and we do it every morning at um, 6.40 a.m. in that church just across there um, and pray for the intentions of the plenary and um, and I know the prayers are powerful and uh, we're hoping that's going to cut some ice too with uh, with people and and so on so the thing is I guess it's really very much open to the Holy Spirit and uh, we just hope we don't put obstacles in the way of the Holy Spirit you know, and that's always the challenge in church, that um, we, we can do that um, all too easily. So let's let's be open to that. And so in, in terms of the seminarians too, I, I guess their main thing is that they're focused a lot on academics. And so there's not a lot of time and chance to um, talk a lot about the diocese. And that's been a a thing I've been trying to emphasize and talking to them, not often, but occasionally we'll get them together and talk about what is happening in the diocese um, and what is happening in plenary. So um, there's been some great discussions in the diocese and I've seen a report or two come out which I've given to the seminarians and talked to it with them about it. How much they take in, I'm not sure, but um, that's up to them. But um, yeah, trying to make them aware of the issues surrounding them here and now. As rector of, the, of a seminary, I'm forming guys for the next generation. So um, we want the guys to be in touch with the reality of today and the challenges of today and in, in touch with the reality of people's lives, especially families today. 
Um, so to me, they're really important elements of where we want to shape them and shape them in the likeness of Christ, but with a grounding in the world around them. And I guess a real big part of that to me today is, and I guess it ties back to what I said a while ago, is about interconnectivity. And um, it's not about us and them. It's not about differences, but about um, joining the dots, you know, across a lot of different areas. And I, I'm just, I'm not talking even faith and religion, but across philosophy and across science and economics and, and care of the world, care of the planet. Um, so to me, that's a really, really significant thing that I believe present Pope Francis is really embracing and saying we need to be in touch with those connections. So that's what I'd like to see the guys formed for. And um, so that interconnectivity and synodality um, all go together with identity. And to me, it's not an us and them, but it's a interconnectivity and uh, relationship with Jesus and with each other that's really going to be significant. I guess um, it's, this has been shaped from my experience last year in Melbourne doing study, but uh, I believe it's really important for the priests of the future that they be qualified to really be spiritual directors, mm -hmm. not just mass sayers, not just sacramental machines, um, but in touch with people's lives and in so doing, also discerning the spirit that's working in people's lives. And that's quite an art form and um, something that seminaries don't have not really embraced over the last 20 centuries. Um, so I think it's something that is really something we need to take up in a serious way um, and to walk with people. And the Sacrament of Reconciliation is um, really about discerning the work of the spirits of God and the spirits not of God in people's lives. Um, and that takes a skill and it's something that needs to be developed a lot more. I would love to see that as um, really critical to the formation of priests today. Mm. But not only, not only, I think we also need to be in touch with family life and for people, and for a lot of the guys here, they're from um, Vietnam and the Philippines, just to be in touch with some of the idioms of our culture. So it's a cultural divide. And our, um, our diocese is rich with um, so many different cultures. It's just quite amazing. And we really need to be embracing of those cultures and integrating those into our faith. So we're not just a Eurocentric church, which we have been till now, I think. The, the era is, you know, the Pope talks about a change of era and an era of change, and this is it, and we're living it right now. And unless we embrace it, um, people aren't going to walk away by their thousands from the church, but by their tens of thousands. Mm -hmm. So we need to really embrace the issues of the day and the issues of the Lord speaking um, in the signs of the times. I'm conscious that as we're recording this podcast and, you know, listening to the members who are there now listening and speaking and praying in this whole process that, um, yeah, that we, we offer a prayer for them and particularly for our church that the Holy Spirit may continue to guide us and move us and to, to always lead us 
My prayer for this second assembly of the Plenary Council is one of hope. Hope that whatever is said or whatever is shared is um, of a spirit of truth and honesty, no matter how difficult it is to hear or to speak, that in the light of hope that the Spirit may move us in, in ways that is needed and for those who haven't felt like they have been heard, that they do have the space to, to be heard and that someone will speak up for them. In sharing that prayer, Remy, I, I've been taken back in this conversation to um, some of the moments we hear in our Christian story. I think about the early church and how they may have been feeling um, after they had lost their friend, um, after they had lost Jesus, um, in their life, only to rediscover him again, um, resurrected and new. And I, I go to that particular moment when they're discerning who will take the twelfth position um, as the disciples uh, who followed Christ, um, who would take the place of, of Judas. And in that process, there was discernment for sure, but there was also a drawing of straws. There was this sense where the decision could not be made unless we lean into the Holy Spirit unless we trust this process that's bigger than ourselves. And the story continues um, when we look at what the Australian church is trying to do, trying to be open to, trying to listen to the Spirit of God, which has been no more or no less than it was in Jesus' time. It's the same Spirit that walked with Jesus. And so we trust that it's the same Spirit that walks with us in the church in Australia, in particular through this plenary process. So Remy, why don't we together as a way of closing this podcast, why don't we pray the plenary prayer uh, that we've used over the years. Come, Holy Spirit of Pentecost. Come, Holy Spirit of the Great Southland. O God, bless and unite all your people in Australia and guide us on the pilgrim way of the plenary council. Give us the grace to see your face in one another and to recognize Jesus our companion on the road. Give us the courage to tell our stories and to speak boldly of your truth. Give us ears to listen humbly to each other and a discerning heart to hear what you are saying. Lead your church into a hope-filled future that we may live the joy of the gospel. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, bread for the journey from age to age. Amen. Amen. Our Lady help of Christians. Pray for us. St. Mary McKillop, pray for us. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Soul Food Podcast. Don't forget to like and follow us on Spotify or on your preferred listening platform. This podcast is produced by Pastoral Formation Mission Enhancement Team in the Diocese of Parramatta. All relevant links will be provided in the description below See you at our next meal on the Soul Food Podcast.